0: Good. That, was good. That
1: was good. That was good that was good that was very witty oh, yeah. oh, hello and happy 2018 welcome back to center ed teaching um we've been on hiatus giving you some of our previous episodes to get you through the last two weeks um, remember you can always go through our catalog on soundcloud or itunes and catch up on past episodes you may have missed um, as we start with 2018, people usually start with New Year's resolutions and trying to be better this year than they were the year before, and so it seemed fitting to start our podcast off with the idea of growth mindset, which has been sweeping educational discourse for the last two and a half years now, um, and so we just want to do a more critical look into that concept. And so to do that with me, I have our CPET resident experts on the growth mindset. Uh, Courtney. Hello. Greg. What's up? And, <laughs> and Faye. Hey. Um, so to start, authentic self. That's right. So to start the conversation, I think for those listening, you know, growth mindset is thrown around a lot as a term. And so I think it's helpful to unpack actually what is growth mindset. Um, Courtney, can you give us kind of sure. a, a definition to start with?
2: Sure, I'll do my best. Absolutely. So Based mostly on Carol Dweck's definition, uh, which is tossed around a lot, as Matt said, Mm -hmm. it's basically the core belief that one can learn almost anything. That you can develop skills, talents, and qualities in almost any area. And I'm really emphasizing that idea of develop because the growth mindset posits the belief that your intelligence and that your mind um, is, is changeable and it can grow and it's sort of like a muscle that you can impact. And with effort and persistence and perseverance, you can um, really develop almost anything that you wanna learn.
1: Yeah, I think what's also interesting is that um, her research actually started looking at um, students uh, with learning disabilities who suffered from learned helplessness. That's what her graduate work was on. And so the idea was that these are students who have been told that you know, they can't succeed or they're not smart. And so the research came out of the response is, well, you know, what if that's not true and we don't treat students like that? And I think that gets to your idea about um, this growth. But there are some things that people throw around saying what growth mindset is, but it's actually not. Um, Faith Greg, can you guys kind of elaborate on some of the things that growth mindset is not?
0: Well, I mean, the first thing I think of is it's not just like praise for praise sake. Mm. Like, it's not... In other words, it's not um, just—it's not not rooted in something actual growth mindset. It mm-hmm. does have some roots, and it, it really could have some teeth to it as well. So it's not just this sort of oozy, mm-hmm. hey, great job, Courtney, right, you did right. so you did so well at that, mm-hmm. yeah. with nothing behind it. Right.
3: Yeah. So uh, like great effort became uh, mm-hmm. consolation prize, right? So. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Well, yeah, even great effort, mm-hmm. like that, that's just remind me of great effort is, again, if it's not attached to anything, if it's just, hey, great effort, you tried, is that really growth mindset, mm-hmm. Is or is growth mindset more, oh, great effort at taking your writing from mm-hmm. two sentences to four sentences, right, pointing to you tried and this is what you did as you were trying, right?
3: And students begin... Became- begin receiving false praise for ineffective efforts mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. to a teacher's understanding of like great effort um and, and trying to to give the praise without the the added attachment at the end mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah
1: i think you know some of the other things that carol dweck has written about in the past year trying to correct this definition of growth mindset saying that like kind of what you guys were saying being open-minded or like being flexible to entertain other thoughts or having a positive outlook is not actually growth Mm -hmm. mindset. Mm -hmm. You may be optimistic in that way, but that's not actually what Mm -hmm. growth mindset is. And also this idea that people say, oh, I have a growth mindset, I'm ready to go. You know, people don't have a growth mindset
2: 100%
1: of the time, all the time. It's a battle between fixed and growth. And so, um, you know, it's this process where you're trying to think about how you can improve and move forward as opposed to saying, hey, you gave a great effort, or hey, you completed an assignment. It's, you know, ramping up with those expectations and trying to get to that. I, I don't know. Courtney, do you have any other thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I,
2: I love what you guys are saying, and I, I agree with it all. I think that um, what I'm hearing and what I agree with is that it's a long-term process because we actually don't just have it or not we're always developing it and working on it. And I think that, um, and Greg and I have talked about this before, for educators, parents, anyone, you're constantly putting um, routines and rituals and supports in place to develop that mindset, for pe- to help people develop their mindsets. And then even then, you might not develop it in every area. And uh, in some areas you might kind of feel more of a growth mindset and others feel a little mm-hmm. more fixed or stuck. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think um, it's long term
1: and so I think thinking about growth mindset because it's become such a big thing in oh, educational yeah. discourse is how new is this research I mean some people in the field of education have compared this to learning styles which I mean I think took off in like the 70s or 80s mm-hmm. um, so is it new if so how is it new or how is it maybe helping us think differently about the way we're educating our kids
2: I mean, I think that's a great question. And I was an educator, kind of coming of age as an educator, when Howard Gardner was doing his research, and then it was implemented. So I became quite familiar with um, and somewhat enchanted by the learning styles you know, and that idea. And, and I think that's, that's a basically interesting concept, that students each have different kind of preferred styles of learning. So you're more musical, you're more visual, you're more auditory. But I think that's also kind of pigeonholing students and can actually lead somewhat to a fixed Mm. understanding of students or a fixed personal mindset.
1: A student might say, I can only learn with sound or I can only learn with pictures. And I
2: even think for teachers it's limited. Oh, there are these seven different ways and I'm going to just tailor my differentiation to each of these seven different ways for my seven seven different learners. And I think people are much more complicated than that. And I think one thing that I like, Um, about the growth mindset is that it is proving and possibly very different from learning styles because it's supported by neuroscience and it's supported by these sort of deeper understandings of how physiologically um, and cognitively we learn and, and how our bodies change in response to learning. And so I think that can really explode and open up the notion of um, who we are as individuals and how we learn and our potential for learning. I also think that it potentially, again, runs across class lines and our backgrounds. And because we all have brains and we all come to the situation with um, our, our, our bodies intact, and if we think of us as... Um, Kind of unformed or, or reforming mm-hmm. um, people all mm-hmm. the time, I think there's a lot of possibility in that. So I'm pretty hopeful and I think it is sort of a different approach or mindset um, than some of these other
0: ideas of learning styles. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. the interesting thing is that it, it makes me think of like, I, I was thinking about how early on taking like the Myers Briggs when I was right. 20 something years old, right? And I'm like, extrovert and EF, EFNP, I think I say it in the wrong order, but, um, how, how, if having the fixed mindset, putting that on Mm -hmm. the, the, um, personality test or, or the way that I approach life, Mm -hmm. um, means that that's what I always am. And yet as people, we change over time. Goodness gracious, students change over time from K to 12 and beyond. Mm -hmm. Right. And I know that now I would say, hmm maybe I'm half and half I really need some alone time and I really need some and then I start going well wait what does that really mean even and if I don't imagine that things could be different that 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 is not who I am right Right. if if I just say I'm only this person then it makes change even that much more difficult totally agree
1: So, I mean, we kind of hinted at some of the things that growth mindset is not and how it can be misconstrued and maybe misapplied in schools. So for teachers who are looking to bring this kind of idea of a growth mindset to their classroom and in their professional work at large, how can they effectively use a growth mindset? I mean, what would be the accurate implementation to help them as teachers and to better help their students?
2: Oh, I think that we all have, I mean I've talked to you guys and there are a lot of great ideas around this table for that. Um, I think it's a really important question, Matt, because it's really not about understanding, just understanding what the growth mindset is and what it isn't, but how do we then create cultures and create climates in classrooms with actual practices Mm -hmm. that support Mm -hmm. it. And I really believe that there are practices that support this and that can support it across, again, all backgrounds um, for all students. Um, so I think that we've talked a lot about praise. And you go into schools now and you see these wonderful posters that are like Dweck-inspired growth mindset posters, That's right? right yeah. with, with Instead of saying, I can't do math, say, you know, I'm, I'm getting there or I'm getting better. Now, I think those are nice starting points. But I'd like to go a little further with this idea of praise. I think that, first of all, it should be praise with very clear, focused, concrete feedback. And, and next steps mm-hmm. to help the student. Mm-hmm. And there also needs to be um, reflection with that praise. So exactly. if you say yeah. to a student, exactly. right, if you say to a student, like, look what you did on question uh-huh. number one, you never got that, look at mm-hmm. number one, the question would be, and, and what did you do to get that answer? How, what are you doing differently? So I think there's a huge, just a, a lot of work to be done around how we praise and how we give feedback. Um, and I know that Greg has done a lot of work on that um, in math, so he might have something to add about that. Well,
3: one one suggestion that I usually give uh, to teachers is to kind of leave off the grade at the grade um, on the actual assignment. Um, mm-hmm. Usually, when students actually see grades, they kind of see this mm-hmm. as like a, a fixed things, right. and that uh-huh. that's, that's right. what They're I got. And this is this is all I can do. So if if instead mm-hmm. teachers actually leave off the grade aspect. And uh, kind of give students a reflection to kind of to kind of look at and examine their work and see what mistakes that they've made, because the actual the the emphasis is on students actually learning from their mistakes and holding students accountable to the feedback um, that you're actually giving them. So giving them that opportunity to re- redo something after they've analyzed their actual mistake and actually learned from it is is um, a suggestion I often give to teachers. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, if I can, can just break down yeah.
1: like what I'm hearing you say for a second because I think this is a really critical point about how this is an appropriate use of growth mindset because the grade's mm-hmm. not on there. It's not about the end point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's about what you did in the process and yes. what the next step is in the process and you can unlock that and then you That's can right. learn what your grade is and move forward from going there, but actually the correspondence and the dialogue with the student is not always about the end you're gonna get the end eventually it's not like we're gonna pretend that doesn't exist anymore but sure. we're gonna really focus on that process yes yeah.
3: mm-hmm. um, just because from a math standpoint like feedback is uh, is generally taken as negative right, mm-hmm. right. so it's just mm-hmm. like oh uh, right. shucks I didn't get something right. and, yeah. um, and just just from an anxiety standpoint, yeah. um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. seeing how there is such this 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 study of mathematics anxiety that exists mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to try to um, I'll say encourage these things. Yeah, I kept saying. No, well, so, but so. I,
2: I if I could just jump in, I love that Greg just said encourage because that's really kind of flipping right. the switch on praise.
0: Right. That's right. It's
2: like we do actually want to point out success and we do actually want to encourage that you can get there, but we want to make sure that it's realistic and that it's concrete and based on what's really happening with mm-hmm. a student and that he or she is is self-reflecting him or herself, yeah. not just accepting praise right. or accepting encouragement, right. but actively reviewing and reflecting and saying, how am I gonna move forward? What are my next steps, right? And. I think for me, as a math student, who really shut down, actually. Wish I had you as a teacher. Um, Mm -hmm. It would have been really helpful, too, if I had experienced success in tiny pieces. If we do praise students, if it's praising real small steps that they are making and taking, and let them see, make it visible that they are growing and proceeding, even though they might not be there yet.
1: I want to come back to the point about small growths, because I do have some questions about that, but one of the things that this topic I think is making me really think about, and I'm not sure I have the answer to is, so what does this mean for grading mm-hmm. in the classroom? Mm-hmm. Because if it is about the growth, are students only graded on growth? Are they still, mm-hmm. is the mm-hmm. grade that's entered in the grade mm-hmm. book about the grade on the assignments. Is there a combination where they're graded on growth mm-hmm. and then not growth, but then that can get tricky because if you're starting out at possibly a lower performing point, you can more easily grow than someone who's at higher. and how can a teacher work through that to effectively still put the emphasis on growth and kind of the difficult part of evaluating kids with a grade?
3: One, one suggestion I often make in the classroom is um, having teachers tier a lesson, and, um, and this is to create three objectives, one being um, the, the grade level objective, and then two, outstanding or further progression mm. um, objectives that they want you know, the students are able to hit throughout the lesson. Um, this this is straight out the book from differentiation mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. does call on like UDL mm-hmm. strategies and how Gardner's learning right. um, um, mm-hmm. learning practices or or yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Can I jump in about grading? It's one yeah, of my, one ahead, of my favorite and least favorite <laughs> topics, prob- probably. Right. I feel like grading is kind of the final frontier when it comes to some of this stuff because we support our students, we're into growth mindset in our school, and then bang, we're going to hit you with a grain, right. mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's over. Mm-hmm. And then students either feel like failures or success, and it kind of reinforces a fixed mindset. So I think that um, Greg's idea of tiers is wonderful. I'm kind of I'm very curious about mastery-based scoring and grading that is starting Uh to happen Uh and it's the idea that we're looking at key skills and groups of key skills or standards and then kind of breaking them down and letting students or or having students self-reflect on what they are mastering and what stage they're at with different skills Mm. and then giving them multiple opportunities to either master or become proficient and I'm differentiating between those in those skills Mm
3: -hmm. so you
2: might be a student who is mastering and proficient in five out of the seven major skills for the unit, but then actually maybe when we get into the next unit, you'll have the opportunity to master those skills Mm -hmm. um, and move on. So it's this idea of kind of breaking out the learning. What do we really want our students to be learning? What skills, what content? And then supporting them to take those on kind of one at a time. Um, I think it's pretty powerful, and I think it's this idea also of Learning isn't usually over. We can right. redo right. and retry and mm-hmm. rewrite. Maybe not mm-hmm. endlessly. Courtney,
0: I you think, think that we important. were probably both in a, a visiting a school earlier this fall where they were talking about going to that. They had that's gone right. to that system, that's right, 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 of mastery. And I, I heard one of the kids say, "Yeah, but isn't mastery just an A? Like, can we just be honest? Like, isn't that really what it is?" So I find it really. I think that growth mindset can also speak to that, based on what you just said, and that yeah. is um, whether or not whether or not that mastery becomes the approval or the 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 thing that the kid is trying yeah. to get. Um, if if the thought is, sure, at this moment, this is where you are. You're proficient, not right. master. But even though your class might even be over, it isn't over for you learning it. And so thinking about um, talking with parents about how they can talk to their kids Mm -hmm. is really important to say, yeah, that ended up being the grade on your report card, whether that's a letter grade or whether it's about mastery and, but, but just to be able to say, yeah, but you have a lifelong, you have a life full of learning ahead of you. That's right. So this isn't the last time and we're going to keep coming back to this. That's right. And even the idea about like, not using, not using sentences like not. I'm not a, you know. Yeah. I'm not a math person, or yeah. I'm not an English person, or I'm not a. Right. You no, know, you know, to be able to communicate with parents and say, here are some of the, give them some words to say, give them some strategies at home to be able to say, here's how you can support your kid in this. You don't want to set them up. Right. For you're good at everything. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the false growth yeah. mindset. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Can I? Yeah, I just want to piggyback off that one thing, because I think what you're talking about was extending the growth mindset conversation beyond the classroom and beyond the school to the home. Mm -hmm,
0: That's
2: right. Right.
1: So that's everywhere. And I think that's one point. And I want to come back to this grading thing, because grading is one of my favorite (laughs) things to talk about, because it's like in some ways one of the most important things in school. But like. People don't like doing it. Right. People don't want to talk right. about it. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So Agreed. I won't
1: belabor the point. If you want to hear yeah. more, we have a previous podcast on grading you can go back <laughs> and listen to. But yeah. besides that shameless plug, one of the tensions that I've seen with um, you know mastery is that if we're lifelong learners, right. is mm-hmm. there ever mastery? That's right. right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. and, and so just conceptually, uh, that that's tough for me. And so yeah. one of the things that I did when I was grading is <clears throat> I would have... Um, my major assignments, students could consistently Mm -hmm. redo Mm -hmm. to the end of the Mm -hmm. semester. So Mm -hmm. I was an English teacher and each semester um, students wrote 10 papers. And so in between that I would give feedback, they could revise, I would give it back, they could revise so there was their system. And it would be a lie to say every student opted into it Mm -hmm. all the time, but there was that structure there. Mm -hmm. At my school we also had to do like some kind of standardized testing with Lexile scores. And so what I set up for students, I said, okay, if you complete this, you get five extra credit points Mm -hmm. just because of that effort. If you grow below what your projected growth is, you get 10 extra credit points. Mm -hmm. You hit your growth 15, Mm -hmm. you go above and beyond Mm -hmm. your growth, 20 extra credit points. And I would try to find other places Mm -hmm. where that growth would be rewarded in some ways. and I, don't, and I don't mean to advocate that as a perfect grading no, system, but great. trying to put another way to think about, you know, there's mastery, there's how do we actually calculate the grades, yep. do you maybe do different categories that are, um, you know, like assignment based and effort mm-hmm. based, or, mm-hmm. or how to think about that, but anyway. Yeah.
2: I think those are great ideas, Matt, and I think that just bringing into the conversation the idea of how do we, as you were talking about, how do we grade? and give students kind of, you know, kudos and points for effort and improvement. Very, very important. Yeah. And I, I did a lot of that too. I'd also just like to throw into the conversation that um, you know, I I have a, a child who goes to a school that doesn't have grades. Mm-hmm. And he is more motivated than when he went to a school mm-hmm. where he was graded and felt like a failure oftentimes. And I have to say he's been learning a lot. So I think for all of us out there, just rethinking why and how we're grading and scoring is is a really important topic especially with growth mindset you know
1: yeah and i think just piggybacking off that maybe the last point before we move into the next section here is that you know teachers are often tasked with setting goals with their students Mm -hmm. and talking about them with their learning um if you're using this idea of a growth mindset how does that change that conversation right because Mm -hmm. it wouldn't seem that the conversation is Okay, you got to get an A, or right, that's, or you know what that is. So, so what does that look like?
2: Well, I think this is a really good question, and I, I think it probably looks very you know, Courtney, different.
1: I don't think I ever asked you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's
2: well, I right. think this is one of those top of the line, excellent <laughs> questions there, um, because I think it's, I think it really, um, I think it really gets at some issues and and important areas in our system, um, which is that, can we have different expectations for our students? Does Mm. the idea even of mastery or Mm -hmm. of goals, can they look really different for students? Mm. And can students, uh, for example, not write an essay, to use the English example, that kind of meets our idea of an exemplar, Mm -hmm. top mastery Mm -hmm. essay, and still reach mastery for him or herself, because it truly Mm. is somewhat the limit for, of where they're at, at that moment, and then they can mm-hmm. move on and grow. So I, um, I think it's a really good question. I think that working individually with students, conferencing with them, marking progress with them, having them set goals, having them set goals on very specific aspects of their math learning, their English, whatever it is, and then revisiting those goals with them and saying, you know, how are we doing with this goal? What do we need to adjust in your learning? those kinds of moves I think are really important and I just like to put a plug for finding ways to have one-on-one conversations and relationships with your students Uh, I think it goes a long way and can also support real growth and goal setting as opposed to just writing it down on paper and then sticking it in your portfolio and not looking at it but really meeting with the teacher and discussing your goals.
1: Well I think inherent in what you're saying too is also that it's not a goal at the beginning of the quarter That you look at at the end of the quarter or the beginning of the semester, Mm -hmm. but then it's actually a continuous process because things are continuously evolving.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it makes me think about um, possibly building in then something around reflection. Mm -hmm. So that, like, if you imagine one on ones with your students, for instance, you know, you're gonna come and sit down maybe they're bringing with them a reflection on their mm-hmm. own learning mm-hmm. during whatever that time period is, that week or that That's month. Right. What you know, I would like to share with you where I see that I have grown yeah, I, right. or where I can see that I have learned. And
2: portfolios help with that too, right? Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. you actually can look concretely and talk it, concretely yep. about yep. your work over a period of time. About your work throughout your school mm-hmm. history, you know, whether it's mm-hmm. six through eight or K through twelve mm-hmm. or whatever, I think it's really, really helpful.
3: Not that I don't like <laughs> agree with any of this, but you I don't I, have I, <laughs> to agree. <laughs> <laughs> but I believe like the common complaint from the average teacher is uh, would would mm-hmm. be around yeah. time, time management. Yeah, I, time. I agree. Um, That's right. You have yeah. 90, 90 students or one hundred right. and twenty students, and how, how do we get to one-on-one conferencing, how do we get to, sure. like, this um, for all students. Um, and I don't know if there is a perfect answer, right? It, it's more about, like, the organization and mm-hmm. structures that a teacher has within their school.
2: That's right, um, yeah. You're right, and I think, to be honest, if we really, really want to support the growth mindset with all students, the system probably does need to change, and we do need to have smaller class size and more time with our students and... More flexible grading so to be honest if you yeah. really want to take it on.
1: So uh, just piggyback off that and then like I said last time we can move into the next <laughs> section um one of the things that I did was when I would give students papers back and so there were times to rewrite or students were planning out their next essay I would use that as a time that we can talk about your writing um, and I would try to make it to every student so every two to three weeks there was essentially a class period and a half that was spent doing that. And so the concerns with that are obviously management. Are kids yeah, right. on track actually doing their writing? Um, and like, am I being as helpful to all the kids that I need? Right. Because when I talk to a kid, is might not be when they actually need help on their assignment yeah. and what so have you. Yeah. But... I I do think there are ways to think about how can you structure that classroom so that you can privilege that time. Because essentially that's that's what happens in teaching is you don't have enough time to do everything so you have to prioritize.
0: Prioritize. Um,
1: So this has been a very flattering discussion of growth mindset.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But I don't think the concept exists without criticism. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think one criticism that I've read recently that I think is incredibly important maybe we can talk about is whether or not growth mindset is for all students um, to just focus on saying, oh, look at your growth, your continuing growth, and I'll let you guys maybe take some meatier examples, but like one I think of is, you know, if a student is really interested in playing basketball, and they make mm. zero free throws, mm. and they come back three weeks later and they make one free throw, yeah, you grew, and you can tell the kid that, but they might not necessarily internalize that as growth. Uh, I mean, but that's just one example, so, thoughts? Drawbacks.
0: I think that it is, I, I don't know that I have that many thoughts. I think I'm speaking because I just, that question about is it for all students makes me think, what students would it not be for? Mm. And I'm just trying to picture who that would be and, and and I think that your example is a good one about like, like I wouldn't look at a student and go, "Yeah, I don't th- I, well, I just don't think poetry's not for you. Yeah, mm-hmm. just because who I am, i can't I can't do that because right. I don't okay. know. you know, um, but I can understand, like, are we setting up unrealistic expectations for any students or un- you know, yeah, by, by encouraging them to pursue something. I don't know. I mean, it's a really good point. I think one drawback that I'm
2: really hearing yeah. kind of underlying some of what you're saying is that um, teachers have to be really trained and thoughtful in the way that they implement some of these things. We yeah. can't just be slapping up posters. One of the drawbacks, and I'm sorry guys, I love the posters in all the schools I go to, <laughs> Yeah, but also, and also, um, we as teachers need to be very trained, very attuned, Psychologically, We need to be content experts, and we need to create, as Matt was saying, classrooms with structures and priorities that allow this stuff to happen. So that is a drawback that I think teachers need to be really well trained, not just in growth mindset, but in how to no. make this happen in yeah. their classrooms. Um, so that to me is,
0: is a huge drawback. I also, yeah, go you ahead. Know, you know, one of the things that's just occurring to me that I think a drawback is, is that it looks really easy to do. Exactly. It, yeah. yeah I'm going to use this language. I'm going right. to say, you yeah. cannot yet make free throws, but that's right. you can, right? That's right. Um, and because it looks so easy, I think people don't necessarily go yeah. deeply that's into right. it to understand what the roots right. are and what you're connecting it to.
2: I agree. I think this is really important stuff. And much as I love the growth mindset and I'm a big advocate, I also see... Huge drawbacks, Um, I think, I mean, huge drawbacks in the way that maybe we embrace things in our country and we think it's a panacea that's Mm going to solve mm -hmm. all problems. Um, I think that one is that we oversimplify it Mm -hmm. and that it is about that idea of posters and what you say. And it's not just about what you say, but it's about how you feel at a deep level and it's making changes for teachers and students in the way they see themselves and the way they see each other. And what I mean by that, and this is really important to me, is that we as teachers and educators can't just teach it in our classrooms. We need to believe it for mm. our students. Chill. We need to see our students Chill. and the people we work with with a lens of, I believe in you as a person who can grow and change. Not just, I don't really believe these kids from this neighborhood, mm-hmm. from this place can do it, but I'm gonna teach them growth mindset that's one of the drawbacks, is that we need to get at some of those really deep, underlying either biases, fixed mindsets we have. Do you know what I mean? True. And that's really important to me. Um, and if we can do that, it's amazing. But I think it is one of the drawbacks.
3: To piggyback that, it's it's the de-sophistication of, of the actual problem that's in right. itself. And realizing, um, I don't, someone said yeah. before, that this is a process. Mm-hmm. And changing a mindset is a lifelong <laughs> process. And yeah. it's not an immediate step um, that that happens overnight.
2: That's right. That's right. So though you can
3: claim it all you want to, it doesn't necessarily yep. it doesn't necessarily yep. mean That's it's right. true right. in uh-huh. itself.
1: I mean, so one of the other critiques that I've read that I found really powerful, um, some recent academics have said that, going to your point about this not being a panacea for everything, Courtney, mm-hmm. is that when working with low-income students and particularly low-income students of color who have probably never been told that they are smart. Mm-hmm. Or that they are a scientist or that they are those things. By eliminating that language completely and just mm-hmm. the growth, there's still not that foundation that's right. of belief. Part of the reason yeah. the growth mindset might carry so much weight in so many other schools is because those mm-hmm. messages have constantly been reinforced that's in right. children's lives. But someone who maybe is growing up in an orphanage or in foster mm-hmm. care yeah, that's not shelter. getting that yeah. particular message every yeah. day. Mm-hmm it can be problematic because it doesn't instill that sense of identity as a person.
2: And at a a deeper level, just to build on what you're saying, Matt, I think that, and I fear sometimes that in our country, we love taking these nice ideas and then we oversimplify, as Greg said, we plug them in, we feel like we're done, it's good on the surface level. But it's not a panacea for the inequities in our system. It's not a panacea for low income, whole neighborhoods, um, and black and brown youth um, who are being raised in places that are not always being uh, fairly funded in certain ways. Mm -hmm. Um, Kids who are struggling with a lot of stressors. um, It just doesn't really take care of all that. Or teachers who are not being trained to understand Mm. um, and be sophisticated. So we can't look at it as a panacea, as you said. Um, But if we do take it on in a sophisticated, and complex way i think it has a lot of potential
1: well putting it that way i mean i think also poses the question that does this language does this discourse have the power to be harmful for instance if you are telling students that you know growth is what matters and that constant growth matters and someone believes in that and invests in that and graduates from high school but doesn't get in the college they want to or when they go to access the labor market, they don't get the job that they want to, and all of a sudden this isn't enough. Does that create American some democracy. kind of a problem? Does it become right. a disservice?
2: Like a yeah, I, I think so. I, I think you're right. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that's really sad. Uh, that uh, mindset. Um,
2: if it's done uh, in a simplistic way, right? And if it's taken on as sort of political jargon or an easy or like cure alone,
0: off. you know yeah. what I mean, or as if it's the yeah. the only way. Right. Like the like, if you just do this this X, this other thing is going to yeah. happen. As opposed to, I think Courtney, you were saying it very beautifully earlier about people are complex. Yeah, C- culture, society, like yeah. our issues, our problems are complex. That's so right. we're not going to put.
2: That's right. Like one and thing our on skills it it and fixed. talents are complex too. Yeah. We need to see yeah, our, right. our students right. in and be able to praise them for things that they are able to do mm-hmm. and resilience yep. that they have um, developed by growing up in tough neighborhoods or the music that they know a lot about that we just never bring into the conversation, whatever it is. It's very with. interesting because it seems yeah.
0: like what you could be talking about then is listening a lot more to mm-hmm. our students, even rather than thinking about, I'm not saying we shouldn't think about our language, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the words that we're using with them, but um, but really listening. What is it mm-hmm. that they, what are some hidden skills that's and talents right. that we don't get at in the classroom that we can see and- And, and cultivate. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, cultivate right. with
2: a growth mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think growth mindset always has to be you know sort of coming from um, this is an area that you need to grow in Mm -hmm. and so we're gonna support or you're going to start thinking about yourself differently in this area it can also be cultivating your strengths and recognizing that you do have some talents or some innate areas could be basketball or maybe not could be music maybe not Um, that I as a teacher in some way I'm going to honor and help you build on um, if that makes sense
1: Yeah. No, but the first part of what you said there actually brings me to one concern or hesitation that I have going forward is that it's been reported that Carol Dweck is now interested in applying this theory to children's moral development, which for me to say that someone needs to attack their moral development with a growth mindset poses lots of problems while we all want to strive to be nicer, to have students being viewed that way and needing that type of growth and saying like you know you haven't reached mastery of this yet but there's something that settles uneasy about it and i think maybe this goes back to what all three of you have said about there's a lot of promise in this growth mindset um but maybe we have to be more careful and uh, more critical before implementing it and thinking how we implement it because it could go off the rails Absolutely,
2: <laughs> well put, Matt. We'll have to read up on that one. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's my growth, growth area, yeah. growth, the growth mindset.
1: Um, so to continue the growth going, um, I think it's probably that time where share final thoughts and wrap up the podcast for this week.
2: I guess uh, one final thought is that even though I was starting to become sort of a naysayer, right, in our podcast, um, I I. I love the growth mindset. I think it's really, really important. I think it's sort of the tip of the iceberg or the mm-hmm. beginnings of some really fantastic work and development that we as educators can do and that our society can use to begin to shift our lenses about each other and about education and about grading and um, how the mind works and that it does have a lot of potential. and. I'm very excited for us, even those of us at this table, to continue to do our work into admitting that it's complicated and taking those beautiful complications and figuring out what that means for implementation and teacher and student development and growth.
3: I would say my final thought would be uh, don't, this is a sophisticated problem, mm-hmm. um, and and to attack it as such. Mm-hmm. Um, And I usually often go back to my cycles of inquiry where I kind of Mm -hmm. adjust something, kind of analyze what was the effect, what was the impact on it. All right, let me try something else. Like um, just never stop growing and never stop changing. Um, I'll say new students, new variables equals a new problem.
0: Yeah, nicely put. Well, I will follow that up with. (laughs) Go Faith. (laughs) Actually, I will piggyback on that as far as thinking about our own work. um, That's what it makes me think of because if we're talking about it, um, we've talked a a little bit about it being sort of if we're just kind of slapping it on, if we like the posters. But if that's all it is, I mean, we have to think about our own work do we okay. believe it? Why do That's we believe right. it? That's right. um, and then I really love those thoughts around like an inquiry cycle. I'm going to practice something and see what happens and then keep going Absolutely. with it and, and seeing what comes out of it. But I think it's really important that we get our own deep roots in it. So then Absolutely. that means we have work to do as we always do as teachers. It's, it's always first working That's with right. ourselves and then the students.
1: Yeah. I mean, to that point of <clears throat> working on ourselves, That I think, you know, to effectively use a growth mindset, you have to make determinations on what growth means and what it looks like. Mm-hmm. So if you are doing feedback cycles and regrading of essays is it about improving the student's performance on that assignment? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or is it about improving students' um, ability to construct a thesis statement mm-hmm. or, or something mm-hmm. that's replicable? Because if the class becomes the thing that the kid is growing at mm-hmm. and getting better at, that's not necessarily right. a service that's going to be used long-term for that student's um, you know everlasting learning mm-hmm. and growth. And so I think as teachers, sometimes we become so invested in our classrooms that that becomes the apple of the eye, but you know, students have things outside that classroom that they're actually being trained for. And so that said, I also think there, there has to be a hesitancy by the teacher to overvalue what you believe mm-hmm. to be the things necessary to growth. And you need to collaborate with your colleagues to to come up with a communal mission that can help kids. So Sorry for being long winded on no, that. It's an but, important topic. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we look forward to talking to you next week over the ether space or whatever that thing is called. All
0: right. (laughs) Bye. Bye -bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.